It's a privilege to serve with my, with my brother Justin, and from his intern days, I taught him a lot. I can't even tell some of the stories because he would probably get fired, so I better keep that out of there. But today, we've got a short time, so I'm going to do it quick. We're going to talk about my favorite thing, and when Justin gave me the opportunity to teach, he said, it's, it's yours, man, whatever you, God's laying on your heart, and what God's laying on my heart is about his glory and his gospel. Super simple, and it's going to be quick. The gospel and these things, the glory of God and the gospel, they're inextricably linked. You can't remove one from the other. Number one, the gospel, it's wildly important. The gospel is what gives you the power. Whenever you stand in front of people and you're representing Christ, you, you bring the gospel and you bring it strong. Amen? You bring it. You bring it. Because I can come up with all the fun stories I want, but if it's not gospel, it's no power. In 2008, there was a... a, there was a, a conference I went to, it changed my life. It was to, called Together for the Gospel, and he said, if you're not bringing the power, you're not bringing the gospel, you're not bringing the power. And so we're going to do that this morning. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. I went to a Christian counseling seminar, a lot of people in there, and, and they were talking about how to, as a pastor, how to counsel people. And there wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't one mention in this long, long seminar about the gospel. And, you know, and I stood, they asked for questions, and I stood up, and I said, I said, uh, where's, the, where's the gospel in all this? And they're like, yeah, yeah, gospel, Jesus, all that. Yeah, but we got to do this. There's no power to break sin outside the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can, bring all, I can bring all the tools, all the fun, all the resources I want, but if I'm not bringing gospel, I'm not bringing power. Inside of that, the glory of God is what gives us that perspective in the gospel. The glory of God keeps him on the throne and us in the witness stand instead of the other way around. Because when that gets turned around, we, we have what we have well now, where there are mainline churches that celebrate sin. We can't do that. We can't do that. We have to keep God on the throne and his gospel on the throne. All these questions when we ask why, God, why do you allow? Why do you cause? Why, why, why? All of these answers are found in the glory of God and his gospel. The gospel must be preached in the context of his glory. Context is everything. If you don't know context, you don't know scripture. Context is always found and bound in the love that God has for us in his glory. When I lost this perspective, I'm ashamed to say as a, minister of, as a minister of the gospel and a minister for Christ, I lost this perspective. And when I lost the perspective of God's glory, I lost my way. And I found it back in his glory in 2006. We had our first child who was born, stillborn, full term stillborn. Her name was Louisa Hope. And, I, and darkest period of my life. But it got a lot darker because, and because I said, God, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't blame you. I don't, I'm not angry at you, but I cannot praise you. I cannot praise you in this. And guess what, guys? I was a worship pastor at the time. How do you do that? How do you do that? My, because my worship was tied to a flawed understanding of God and his glory. I was praising God because of all the things he was bringing upon my life, all the good things. And then when things went south, I could no longer praise him because I had the flawed logic. Guys, God was on the throne before my child died and he's on the throne today. 
So today we're going to be looking at John 11, a passage where Lazarus was raised from the dead, and this is gospel and glory all wrapped up in one. You know the story, but I'm going to read it. We have just a little bit of time today. I'm going to read it in chunks and let the Word of God speak to you. We're going to do it in John 11. We're going to go through, start to 1 through 6. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. And when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So let's look at this for a second. So first of all, you look at verse 6. You look at verse 6 on an island. By the way, we have the, we have the hindsight of context. But keep in mind, they didn't have hindsight because this was happening to them. And so in verse 6, it says, So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Can you imagine that? God, I have a, I have a super sick I have a super sick brother who's, who's going to die. I need you to come. I know you can heal. I need you to heal. He's like, yeah, I got that, but I'm going to stick around here for a couple more days. God, why? Why would you do that to me? Why, why, would, you, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you come? It looks like a cruel joke because I know he's got the power. But when God's not making sense, that's when you start looking for his glory and his gospel. Because let's look at the context. Back up one verse. This context is so important. When now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. And then he says, verse 6, so then he stayed two days longer. So it's wildly important. We know this ordained text is wildly important for him to say, Jesus absolutely loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So he's not doing it because he's, he's an angry God or a vengeful God or he wants to tease them. He's doing it out of his great, great love for them that he sat for two more days. You ever questioned God? You ever questioned God's timing? I always say, I hope I can say this word in chapel. We'll find out. I always say, God, I love you, but sometimes the plan sucks. Okay to say that? Thank you. So let's continue. So the context, so we see the glory of God, but the context is his love for us, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Let's look at verse 11. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. No worries there. Now when Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant rest in, in sleep, taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I was glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. Now let us go to him. Again, let's back this up. Verse 15. Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I wasn't there. What? My best friend and brother has died, and you're glad? You're glad? You're a cruel God if you're glad. 
but then you look at the context of his love. And he says these two wildly important words that will speak for all eternity. So that you may believe. Friends, I don't know how many people are in here today. But there's two things I know for sure. I know some of you are questioning God whether he loves you. I know some of you are angry at God and that's okay. And I know some of you have not turned your life over to him as your personal Lord and Savior because of some of these circumstances. Let me tell you, friends. He has such a great and deep love for you. Those circumstances he uses for his glory and for your salvation. So it says, so that you may believe, but let's go to him. So we're going to go to 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to him and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. But now here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's where all the glory and salvation you're ever going to need. Salvation is found in the glory of God in verse 25. Here it is. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ the Son of God, who was coming into the world. Let me, tell you, let me tell you what a cruel God would be. A cruel God would remove the pain so you recognize you don't need him. That's a cruel God. You need glory to show your salvation. You know, I love this thing when People always say, does, God, can't, God never gives you more than you can handle. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. To show that the all-surpassing power is in him and not in you. You can pray to give you more than, he can, more than you can handle. You pray for that. Matthew 16, 26, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? We want the pain, folks, to show us the power of God. And you know, in verse 35, if you're ever questioning God and his love for you, you look at one of the most profound and shortest verses in the Bible. He says, Jesus wept. So if you think God doesn't care, if you think he waited two days longer for fun, if you think he's glad that he wasn't there for fun, he had great sorrow for his friends going through what they were going through. And he had great love for them. We often miss his great love for us in the midst of our pain and our grief because we take our focus off the glory. Verse 36, so the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? In verse 38, Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave and a stone lay against him. 
Now let's finish this story and give all glory to God. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, this dude's going to stink. I don't know what version that is, but they... In verse 40, it's Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now listen to this. So that's the glory. Listen to the context. Let this soak in if you're questioning God and your circumstances. Verse 42, I knew, and he's praying now, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the man who had died had came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. This revealed his glory, his love for mankind, and salvation all in one miracle. So then we ask, ask why, and it's okay to ask why. I ask why all the time. Let me share two more things as we wrap up. We often praise God. You hear it on Christian radio, you hear it all over the place. My brother was sick, and then, praise God, he came through and healed him. I had a child with a deadly illness. This child was healed, and God came through. Praise God. Guess what, folks? Sometimes a child dies, and God still comes through. Sometimes the cancer takes a life, and God still comes through. Had a dear brother, his name was Colin, he was in his 70s. He had melanoma. And he said, Dan, God's going to heal me. And I said, Colin, he can. And I've, I've been a pastor for 25 years. And I've seen God heal, but I've seen God, I've seen it more than not. It's toward the end stages of life. Where he chooses not to. And he said, Dan, God's going to heal me. And I said, I want to... I agree, Colin, God can heal you. Of course he can heal you, but I need you to stay grounded because he may not. Dan, you don't understand. God's going to heal God's going to heal me. And I said, Colin, no, you don't understand. You have to live with the reality that you might die so you can prepare your family. And Colin looked at me and he said, no, you don't understand. God is going to heal me. And if it ain't here, it's there. Right? So there's glory in it all. The ultimate end is not physical healing. The ultimate end is His glory and your salvation. And I want to close with this. So after... after our child died, the full-term stillborn. Several months went by. Six, eight, nine, ten months. I'm not, not quite sure what it was. And we got pregnant again. Not sure how that happened, but it did. 
I, th I think that's next week, actually. Um, you are never going to invite me back to chapel. But anyway, so it happened, and, and I felt God calling us to, God, God calling us out of Cross of Glory, where Justin and I were, were there eight years, I was there eight years, and God called us to go do uh, a rural church, a struggling rural church. And I felt God calling us and God calling us. And my wife said, no, I don't want to go. 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 And I said, God's calling us. We got to go. God's calling us. We got to go. And then we got pregnant. And I was excited. I really was. My wife wasn't ready. But then the second child miscarried. Two in a row. And I said, that's it. We're not going. It's too much change. It's too much hurt. It's too much pain. I'm not doing that to you. And let me tell you, my wife has God on the throne. That's the only reason we've been married 19 years. And she said, circumstances are not our God. God is. So if God says we go, we go. And we went. Because he is on the throne. So folks, if you don't have answers to the why, look to glory. And look for salvation. Because that's where it lies. The verse that God laid on my heart all day when we were in the hospital to give birth to our first child, Louisa Hope. He put this over and over and over and over and over and over and over in my head. And it was Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's give glory to God. Let's pray. Lord, first... We give you all the glory that you're due. Second, we thank you for the, for, the, for the mercy and grace when we don't acknowledge it, number one. Number two, when we question your love for us. God, I thank you for the circumstances of hurt and pain that you have brought on my life and our lives. Because this is a temporal situation. And the decision for you is eternal. So this temporary hurt, if it brings about salvation, is worth eternal glory. So thank you in Jesus' name that you give us more than we can handle. Thank you in Jesus' name for your love for us. Thank you in Jesus' name for your gospel. In Jesus' name, we give you all the glory in all things. 
Amen.